Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Open your Bibles up to the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. It means it comes before Matthew. It comes after Genesis, incidentally. The book of Jonah, we will be in the first chapter. The first three verses of the book of Jonah. The title of this evening's message is, What Are You Trying to Do? What are you trying to do? I would like to, uh, to just extend to you, church, uh, for those of you who don't know, we did have uh, a baptism service today uh, at uh, Camp Boxwell Reservation, and uh, Miss Janice Barnes was, was baptized and it was uh, certainly an experience. I had never personally baptized anyone in a lake or a creek or, or any other open water. And uh, it was certainly a very special time. So uh, those of you who are internet savvy or Facebook savvy, you can go to the church's Facebook page. The video is uh, shared there. If you are not Facebook savvy, go find one of your grandchildren. Ask them to go find the Rocky Valley Baptist Church Facebook page and have them show it to you, and, uh, and you can see that there. Jonah chapter 1, what are you trying to do? This evening we're going to start a new look into this book of the Bible, and we're going to be studying uh, for just a few weeks from the book of Jonah. As of right now, uh, I, I only plan on us focusing on the first chapter uh, for right now, for the next few weeks, uh, and we'll see where God takes us from there. But we'll be in the first chapter as we look at, at just a few lessons from the first chapter of the book of Jonah. And so as we get started, what do we think of when we think of the book of Jonah? A whale. What else do we think of? Disobedience. Thank you, Danny, for adding an adjective to Dot's answer. We, we appreciate your... Uh, if anybody would like to say a big blue whale, that's acceptable too, I suppose, in Jackson County. Um, we think about whales. We think about disobedience, right? Sometimes we, we even, I've heard someone, I heard that question asked once and someone in the congregation said, reminds me of a disobedient preacher just like you. So I'm glad nobody had that to say this evening. But it really is the story, Jonah, the disobedient prophet of God who did not go where God called him to go. And the big thing that we remember about the book of Jonah is that when Jonah was disobedient, a big fish swallowed him up. That's a big deal. That's a good story. That's a great Sunday school lesson. That's what we teach our kids. That's what they remember. But I call us to the details and, and to reflect on this. That the story of Jonah is not a fish story. The story of Jonah is not even really a story of a disobedient prophet. The story of Jonah is, is not even really a story about running from God. The story of Jonah is really about the ever-reaching mercy and grace of a God that while we were disobedient, He still loves us. In that while we are running headlong away from Him... He still calls us. In that while we try our best to flee from Him, He still sends big fish into our lives 
to bring us back to him. And tonight we're going to look at just the first three verses. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time looking at what his name means and what the the context of the history of the book and who wrote it. Was it Jonah? Was it someone else? Was it Jonah in the third person? I don't want us to get caught up in all that stuff and the timeline and did it come before or after this book in the Bible. What I really want us to do is to dive into these verses and really look at the ever-reaching mercy of our loving Heavenly Father. So all that are able, please stand as we honor the reading of the Holy Word of God from the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that your spirit would be present among us at this time, Lord. We pray, God, that even the spoken reading of your word would bless those here in attendance under the sound of this voice, Lord. And God, we know that the only way that can happen is if it's anointed by you. So God, you have your way and your will in the remainder of our time together, and we will give you the praise and the honor and the glory that you deserve. And all of God's people said, and you may be seated. The first thing that we're going to look at tonight is the miracle of the call. The miracle of the call. Verse 1. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It goes on to say some other stuff, doesn't it? It goes on to say who he's the son of. It goes on to say what God said. But what I really want us to do is to back up just for a moment and focus on those first words that we don't read over them too quick. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Folks, that means we have established right here in the first part, the first etchings of this scripture, the first parts of this book, that a man in Jonah, a man, not just a man, but a man that we are going to see is not holy. A man that we are going to see is not special. A man that we are going to see is capable of disobedience. A man we are going to see try and flee from the face of God. A man. And God speaks to him. I don't know if you're catching what I'm saying. But that's a pretty significant statement. What do you mean? I I, I mean, it's a big deal to think of the miraculous fact that God speaks to us. Now, Now, think about that with me for a minute. God speaks to us. Now, most of us stand here today and we go, why is this preacher up there and he said that three times? He must be wanting me to hear something out of it, but, but I really ain't getting what he's saying. We say, well, of course God speaks to us. Of course God... Think about this with me. Think about this story with me. One time, I had someone come up to me, a good friend of mine, who doesn't usually get excited about very much. And this good friend came to me and he said, you'll never guess what happened to me. 
And I said, what happened to you? You'll never guess. I said, you're right. I'm not even going to try. Just tell me what happened. I was at Stony River in Nashville, Tennessee, and I turned around, and there was Chris Johnson from the Tennessee Titans, and I looked at him, and he said, hello. And I said, good, because I didn't know what else to say. My point is this, we get over the moon, tore up, crazy, can't tell enough people about it, jump up and down, put it on the Twitter and the Facebook, tell everyone within 10 miles when a celebrity speaks to us. But when the God of all creation speaks to our sinful selves, what do we do? When's the last time that you came into the house of the Lord and said, Chris, never guess what happened to me this morning. I was praying and it was clear as a bell what God spoke to me. When's the last time that we recognize the miracle of the call? God is calling out to Jonah in this miraculous fashion. If you read verse 2, you're going to see he's doing that because the city of Nineveh is against him. There is a sinful group of people in Nineveh. Nineveh is the great Assyrian capital of the world. It's a big city, probably the biggest city in this area at this time. But it's a sinful city, not a godly city. It's an enemy of Israel. And so God calls out to Jonah with this miraculous voice because there are people who are going to be punished by God if someone doesn't go and preach to them. And he's calling out to Jonah because people need to hear the word of God. And he's saying, Jonah, go and preach my word. It's important when the Lord of all creation speaks to his people. It is not something that we are to take lightly or forget about when the Lord that breathed this all into existence takes the time to speak to us. Why does God speak to us in these ways? Sometimes it's to bring us comfort, but sometimes it's to give us a command. And when it's to give us a command of what we are to do, my friends, it's not just because God thinks we might be supremely talented for that job. It's because there are people that need to hear the word of God and we are innately equipped to go and do that. And so it's not up to us to not recognize the miracle of the call in our lives. I still find it utterly amazing when God speaks to me in his still small voice. Now maybe I'm just that silly or maybe I'm not sanctified enough yet. But when God reveals himself to me in those smallest and tiniest of ways, it still blows my mind because I recognize that there is nothing about me worthy of God choosing to talk to me about anything, worthy of God choosing to reveal anything to me. So first thing that I want us to remember is the miracle of the calling. But look second with me at the majesty of his presence, the majesty of his presence. Verse 3. It says, Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And now we don't know exactly where Tarshish is. We don't know exactly. But most scholars 
would say that it is near modern-day Spain. It would be a a port city near modern-day Spain. So this means that God spoke to Jonah, and he said, Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city, the Assyrian Empire, the enemy of Israel. Jonah, you go to Nineveh. Now, from where Jonah was at, essentially what he does by going to Joppa and then trying to flee to Tarshish is it looks like that Jonah pulled out a map of the area and he said, okay, here I am and here's where God told me to go. What's the absolute furthest place away from the will of God that I can get? Tarshish. I need a change of scenery. I'm going to get me a cruise ship to Tarshish. And so Jonah flees trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. And before you get too hard on Jonah, because this is where we start to ask the question that the theme of the message is, is what do you think you're doing? Where do you think you're going? You know, we want to look at Jonah right now and go, Jonah, what's your problem, dude? What is wrong with you, man? How are you going to try to go to Tarshish when he told you to go to Nineveh? But my friends, don't get too hard on Jonah. Because I believe if we're honest with ourselves, we've all been in a boat heading as far away from the will of God for our lives as we possibly can, if we'll just be honest. And the thing I want to ask you is, is, where do you think you're going? Where do you think the destination is where you get far enough away from God that He's not there? Furthermore... Why don't you remember this truth that we're going to see from Jonah, and it is you cannot flee from a problem that is internal. We're going to recognize in Jonah's life here that the problem was not with God. The problem was with Jonah, and it didn't matter where he went. That problem was still going to be there. Jonah gets his command from God, and he says, it's almost like he's saying, if I can just get over there, then I'll be far enough away that God will forget about the whole thing. God may very well decide to use somebody else. He may may go another way to Nineveh. He may forget the whole thing. And I think really that Jonah had kind of a, a heart condition internally here because I really think that what Jonah was saying is that them people over in Nineveh, they're the enemies of Israel and God's going to destroy them because they're so sinful. And if I go and preach the word of God to them and the Holy Spirit starts moving over in that place, then they may very well repent and God may very well save them and they're one of our enemies and I don't really want them to come to know God. So I don't really want to go. His heart wasn't for doing the will of God. He really had a heart to be used by God the way that he wanted to be used but not the way that God was looking to use him you may say that Jonah had an agenda for his life and as long as God's agenda and his agenda were heading down the same path everything was fine but when God's agenda turned and Jonah didn't want to turn with it he said let me go continue down my own path doing my own thing. But in addition to having a little bit of a heart condition, I might be inclined to say that Jonah kind of had a little bit of a head condition, if you really want to get honest. I mean, just think about that with me. Where can you run to 
to escape a God who is omnipresent. Omnipresent meaning he's everywhere. Where are you going to go to get away from the God that breathed it all into existence? Where are you going to, I mean, let's be honest. When If Jonah had gotten to Tarshish, what would have been different about the will of God when he got there? He would have still been just, out far, just as far away and outside of the will of God in his life as he was in Israel. But many of us have this same problem. We know what God is calling us to do. We know what God is commanding us to do. We know where God is pulling us to, but we would really rather just keep running. Because we think if we can just get far enough away from what God is calling us to, we'll be far enough away and he'll just forget about us. He won't call us to that ministry that we don't think we're capable of doing or that place where we don't think we're capable of going or that job that we don't think we're really ready to do. I see Jonah and his fleeing, and it kind of reminds me of that saying. Have many, have many of you ever heard or said this saying? My granddaddy used to say it to me all the time. Wherever you go, there you are. Ingenious, isn't it? My granddaddy was full of wisdom. But he would say that to me, son, wherever you go, there you are. And I didn't really understand what he was saying for a long time. I really thought that he'd forgotten his medicine. Or maybe he'd gotten into his special medicine or something like that. But as I got older, I began to realize that that saying's not nearly as stupid as it seemed on the surface. Wherever you go, there you are. What he was saying to me is, son, if you don't deal with these situations in your life right here, when you get where you're going, you're going to be the same person, and those situations are going to be the same. They're just going to be a new geography. If you don't change your theology before you get there, then it's just going to be the same out of the will of God that you are here. You're just going to be in another location. One time I had the opportunity to speak in front of a crowd of some of the wealthiest and most successful people in the insurance industry. I mean, these were cream of the crop. There were people there that were making not just millions of dollars, but millions of millions of dollars each year in the insurance world. And they called me about three months before this event that I was supposed to be attending. And they said, Mr. Ball, your friend, DJ, told us that you were an auctioneer before you went into the insurance business. And I said, no, ma'am, I wasn't. I've never been an auctioneer in my life. But DJ's kind of a jokester, so I didn't doubt that he had said it. And she said, oh. And I said, well, why does it matter? And she said, we wanted you to do the charity auction at this big event. And I said, well, I'll help you out all I can. I'll try. But I'm not an auctioneer, but I'll give you all I got. And so I did. And I walked up on the stage of that grand, fancy ballroom. And I looked out at all those people in those fancy suits. And I had my fanciest of fancy suits on. And they put that microphone in my hand. And right there in Detroit, Michigan, I put the microphone to my lips. And you know what came out? 
Tennessee came out. I said, first item up for bed over here, we're going to have this uh, Heisman Trophy candidate lunch and dinner presentation. Do we have a bed for $2,000? You know why? Because you can take me to the grandest ballroom on the biggest stage in the finest place in the universe and I am still Jason Maul. It's just who I am. You can run from God all you want. You can change your scenery. You can change your address. You can leave this church or that church. But at the end of the day, if you are not inside the will of God for your life, you can run all you want to, but you're still going to be outside the will of God for your life. We have to learn, like Jonah is having to learn here, that you just can't run from the majesty of his presence. So first, the miracle of the call. Second, the majesty of his presence. And finally this evening, we're going to look at the major cost. Look with me at the end of verse 3. It says, he went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it. Notice what that says. See, he paid the fare. You see, my friends, there was a cost associated with fleeing from the will of God in his life. One commentator wrote that had Jonah gone to Nineveh, the Lord would have paid his way. But since he went to Tarshish, he had to pay his own way. When we flee from the will and the way of God in our lives, there is a cost that is to be paid. And sometimes it's monetary. Jonah had to come out of his pocket for fleeing from the will of God to get onto this boat. But I want you to look at something else with me in these verses. Notice quickly what it says. It says, Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went, how did he go to Joppa? Thank you, Roger. Found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and he went. See, that's kind of a, a literary term in the, in the Hebrew and in the Aramaic where this would have been written. They kind of use these repetitious words. We're going to find throughout chapter 1 that Jonah goes down. He goes down. He goes down. He goes down. We're going to see this mentioned several times. And what I want us to notice is that in addition to the monetary cost associated with fleeing from the word of the Lord, Jonah also had a spiritual cost. He continued to go down. Symbolic of the fact that when we are outside of the will of God in our lives, it can pull us down. How many of you have ever experienced a holy kick in the pants when you were at the bottom? Get it running just as far from God as you think you can and you get there and you look around and things just don't feel right. It's because there's a cost associated with being outside of the will of God. <coughs> it's, it's how the young man who was once a youth minister can be sentenced to time in jail for sexual misconduct with a student. 
That's why the man that once sat in the choir loft spends most of his time now on the bar stool. That's why the couple that once taught the marriage class is now in divorce court. It's because, my friends, getting outside of the will of God in our lives has a cost. And it can just pull us down. But bless God as we close this evening. That as we study the book of Jonah, we're going to see that we don't have to stay outside the will of God. We don't have to live our lives trying to say, God, I've, I've been outside of your will and now I have to earn my way back. Because we serve a God who says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And when you get to that place where you're outside of the will of God and the cost is becoming so real and the pain is becoming so real, that, my friends, is when we can recognize the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ in our lives. That no matter how far we try to run, He's always waiting for us to return. Always looking for us to come back into His will. He may not send a whale or a big whale. But he will send something into our path called his grace to pull us back in. We just have to be sensitive to recognize that. Let us pray. Father God, God, we come to you and we thank you. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your word. We thank you that in the Old Testament book of a disobedient prophet and a big fish that we can see your grace and your mercy, Lord. God, we thank you that no matter how far we try to run from you, God, that we can't. God, I thank you personally that no matter how hard I tried, to run out of your reach that your mercy and grace extended further than my disobedience, Lord. That you never gave up on me and that you never give up on us, Lord God. And so if there be one here tonight who say I've been running from what God is calling me to do, I pray that you would give them the courage and the conviction to lay that down this very evening. Say, I'm not going to run anymore. I'm going to be obedient. God, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.